Hello and welcome to this podcast from Vanguard and CityWire. I'm Richard Lander, I work at CityWire, and today we're going to talk about Vanguard's best-kept secret, its success in the actively managed fund space. So I'm sure everyone listening to this is well aware of Vanguard's role in the indexing revolution. They were there right at the beginning, they invented it more or less, but perhaps you really didn't know that the firm has also quietly become one of the world's largest managers of active funds. In the studio with me in London is Andy Surrey, a senior national development manager for the firm. Welcome, Andy, and I guess that means it's your job to sell these active funds. That's right, that's exactly right. So talking to advisors, um, you know, about the role that Vanguard Low Cost Active can play in the portfolio. Excellent. Uh, And joining us remotely from Philadelphia uh, is Josh Woodruff. Welcome, Josh. Uh, Josh is a senior investment director at Vanguard, uh, whose job it is to research and select the right managers and funds for this active part of the business. So welcome both. Uh, There is a very active theme to this whole podcast. so my first question has nothing to do with investing at all. It's about being active. Are either of you keen rudders? Uh, let's start with Josh. Well, I, I did uh, run track and, and do track and field in high school. So uh, I, I do have a bit of a background in that and, and being as active as I can. Uh, although I was just, just joking that as I've since moved back from London to, uh, to the US, I, I've naturally become a little bit less active where I, I drive a lot more. <laughs> okay. And Andy, you're a runner? Most most of my running is up and down a five-a-side football pitch, but I do try and do a half marathon or so every year. Um, the Hastings one is my local one, so I try and do that for local support for a charity. Excellent. Very impressive. Uh, and the reason we've gone through to all of this is uh, this podcast is designed to get you active as well. It's going to last about 25 minutes, so if you're a runner... Put your AirPods in, get your shoes on and get running now and we'll challenge you to finish a 5k run in the time it takes to listen to this episode. So that's around 25 minutes. Uh, We've got audio insertions after 10 and 15 minutes that will remind you how much time you've got left. So on your marks, off you go. Right, I'm going to start with you, Andy. Uh, The world's largest passive investor is now talking much more about its role as an active investor. Why now? Well, you know, when you mentioned that, you know, we were instrumental in bringing index into the masses, you know, it's worth stepping back just a, a few months or so to Vanguard's foundation. And we actually founded um, the first 11 funds um, that we offered were active sub-advised funds. That's the, the role that Josh and his broad team play is choosing those sub-advisors for our active funds. And so we've been an active manager since day one, you know, and where we sit today, we're the third largest active manager and the largest user of the sub-advised model where we're choosing talent for wherever it is, you know, in the planet and, you know, creating great low-cost active products for advisors to blend if their clients have got a preference for active. Um, You know, they fulfill all of Vanguard's normal investment principles of being balanced, diversified and low fee. And we think they're a great, you know, proposition for advisors to consider, you know, when they're thinking about building a portfolio. And I'm sure we'll get into more of the details about why we believe that. Excellent. So, Josh, it's your job to go out and uh, find these active managers. What is it that you expect for, from them? You know, uh, is it just adding alpha, uh, or are you looking for more risk risk adjusted uh, returns from them? How, how do you go about sorting them out and including them or not including them? Well, so much of that ends up depending on what's the mandate that we're looking to hire them for. 
Um, we, we run our search process in a couple of different ways where we may be doing Still an evergreen running? search because we Good. always want to have You're a bench for our existing Only managers in the event that some, something unforeseen happens where we feel like we need to make a change. Um, we also want to be looking into new product areas. And when we're, regardless of whichever side of the search um, equation that you're on there, we want to ensure that there's more than just a near-term alpha. We are looking for long-term sustainable value for our shareholders, which means there is a repeatable process, there's a defendable philosophy, you've got the right people, and you have the right firm and culture backing it that we believe will lead to persistent outperformance. Great. So... Tell us a bit more about the process. How thorough is it? is it? You know, does it take a few months to get on board an active manager or a year, or do you just watch them until you're ready? Well, sometimes it, it can take uh, even a number of years. Um, we, we brought on a manager in the U.S. not that long ago that we'd been engaging with for the better part of, I'd say, seven years or so. Um, that's not necessarily the uh, the absolute um, uh, standard for that. Um, it can be a little bit faster, but it is a pretty rigorous process. So, it, you know, it may start our off from us taking a look at the universe of managers out there, regardless of location. We'll be looking at a lot of quantitative metrics, having some intro meetings, getting to know the people and the firm there. Uh, it, of course, always has to go up through a series of different committees, um, really just making sure that we're doing the right level of due diligence. We'll do on-site visits so we can get a better sense of what that culture looks like. Uh, and then there's approval that comes up to our, our global investment committee and our board of directors for each of these processes. So it's, it's quite a high bar that someone has to get over. But the reason is, you know, of course, our fiduciary responsibility. And we're looking for long-term managers and long-term relationships. So we don't want to be doing something that is just a matter of right, what's in favor or this has done really well recently. It, it's really a matter of looking out over longer-term time, uh, time horizons. Okay. So you want to keep them there on, on board as, as, as long as possible. But how do you ensure that they're still doing what you want, uh, that they remain the right managers? You know, there is a difference between someone having a a poor period of a couple of months and, and someone who's completely gone off the boil. How, how do you keep making those judgments with the managers that you have on board? Sure. And, and, you know, and I think like, like most, we will have a rigorous process um, ongoing, continuous of evaluating performance, how the portfolio looks, looking at the different buys and sells, different uh, analysis of risk and return, uh, attribution. But, you know, a lot of what, what's really key there is having the right discussions as well. So we've got regular touch points. And I think this is where Vanguard's global scale does help to give us a lot of great access and service to, to portfolio managers. So me and my team are able to do our, our analysis and then be able to engage with the portfolio managers, the analysts, the risk teams, talking to senior leaders at the organization. Um, and, and we also do you know, really live this long-term focus. You'll hear Vanguard talk about that a, a lot. And, and this area is no different because, you know, great, if you can explain to me why you had short-term underperformance and if it's in line with what I would expect you to do based on your philosophy and following your process, I can live with that. If it's based on you reaching for something different that you're not particularly good at or something that perhaps we didn't hire you to do as part of the mandate, that's where it gets more concerning. And then we kind of turn up the heat a bit more on something like that. But that really allows our managers to do what we hired them to do. And um, I think a great example of that is, you know, we've seen, you know, some of our value managers be out of favor for a number of years. But if they're following that diligent process and we're looking at it against a number of different benchmarks, the, the global market value matched um, style matched benchmarks, if we feel like they're doing the appropriate job there, we can get comfortable with that and feel like it will turn around um, and not just be at the whims of what the market's thinking at the time. Right. Turning to you, Andy. So uh, 
everyone can really understand the very low costs that are baked into Vanguard's passive funds. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of automated selection in there. Uh, there's no, you know, there's fewer human beings involved, if you like. How do you keep that very low cost DNA embedded when you're choosing active funds, which are, you know, by their very nature, tend to be more expensive than, than passive ones? Yeah, it's a great question. And the answer to both, actually, on, on the index side and the active side is scale. You know, so, you know, one of the advantages, you know, many advantages that indexing has got is its ability to, to scale incredibly. Um, you know, there are a lot of people involved in indexing, by the way, perhaps there'd be an example. Yeah, no, I didn't mean there was no one involved. But <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a good um, subject for another podcast. But on the, on the active side, it, it comes down to scale again. So Vanguard's scale in active and our scale globally, you know, we're six and a half you know trillion or so uh, dollar asset manager as we as we sit here today you know, and that scale means that you know we can we're also a lean organization we're a low cost organization the way we run our business um, but the other fundamental aspect to it is Vanguard's ownership model so Vanguard is ultimately owned by the US mutual fund owners in uh, in the states and what that means is that we don't have you know profit to pay away um, so when we do generate revenue from the funds, you know, we can then decide how to reinvest it. And we have one less choice than other, you know, asset managers in that, you know, we can grow our business, you know, think about new opportunities to help investors and advisors, you know, or we can bring down fees. And, you know, a good example of, of that is our is our active funds, you know, which have come down in cost. You know, a few years ago, um, you know, we launched the, the active range in the UK back in 2016. And just to pick you know, one fund as an example, the Global Equity Fund, which is you know, 50% of value manager Wellington, 50% of growth manager Bailey Gifford, two incredibly talented, distinct yet complementary teams. And we, you know, we initially launched at 60 basis points OCF. You know, as we see it today, that's 48 basis points OCF. And it's Vanguard scale and the relationship, scale of the relationship we've got with you know, firms like Bailey Gifford and Wellington. We're actually, you know, for both those firms, their largest client. And then our ownership model means we can pass those costs on to advisors and their investors so they get to keep more of the return. So these active giants like Bailey Gifford and Wellington, they're very happy to deal with you because you bring a lot of money to the table and they don't have to go out marketing for that money. That's your job. That, that's certainly part of it. You know, you know, we want to be you know, you know, really strong partners to them as well. So the way that Josh and his broader team, you know, Josh sits in a team of 20-plus People are doing the search and oversight, and funnily enough, I was, I was with uh, a, a different sub-advisor earlier on today, and they were talking about the contrast of of working. It's a manager we just newly taken on. They're talking about the contrast between working with Vanguard, where you know their experience was you know sort of you know cerebral and and you know humble uh, in the way that we dealt with them, you know, as opposed to some of their other you know relationships. And we understand their role is to pick the securities. And to do the investment management, and that's what they're best at, and that's what, you know, if you actually ask a fund manager, that's what they love doing. Um, so we take on everything else um, from from that point of view. And, and what else? In because they are two very different businesses. Uh, but what what other aspects of what you do passively carry over into the active business? The businesses aren't that different, you know, in terms of what we're trying to achieve. You know, you know, Vanguard's got a very very clear you know mission to take a stand, you know, for all investors, you know, treat them fairly and give them the best chance of investment success. And, you know, that is, you know, absolute core to everything we do, whether it's whether it's index, whether it's multi-asset, whether it's, you know, whether it's active. 
And so the business is way more similar than, than, than people think. And, you know, the, the rigorous oversight and the, the, you know, the search for, you know, the, the internal search for, you know, is this a great, you know, solution to, to an investor need and does it have a good chance of investor success? And that's the focus that drives Vanguard. You should be 10 minutes into your run by now. 15 more to go. You can do this. So coming back to you, uh, Josh, obviously Andy is out there selling the active range to advisors in Britain, and you were over in Britain until a few months ago. And we know what Andy will say to them because he's a great salesman. From your point of view, why would you tell advisors in terms of the job that you do, why should they choose Vanguard as opposed to you know, there are dozens and dozens of active managers out there that they can buy from directly. Yeah, well, I think there there is this uh, experience that we have in manager oversight and selection. Um, you know, as Andy mentioned, as Vanguard's origins, we had active products that were um, externally sub-advised, but we were also like just the largest employer of active sub-advised managers uh, in the world. And, you know, my team, um, we do this day in and day out, and it's not a replacement for any individual advisor's due diligence, but it is, I think, comforting to understand the level of rigor. Like this is, you know, my full-time job. I'm looking at countless managers across all of the mandates through our evergreen search process as comparisons. Um, so we're not getting caught off by something else of like, is there something newer, better out there that we're not aware of? Um, I can say the hundreds and hundreds of meetings that I'll do with managers every year help to contribute to, to understanding of like why I might feel like our manager is the best or being able to push them to be even better in other areas. So that, that element of the scale, um, the, the experience, expertise that, that Vanguard is able to bring that is important. And then the, what Andy was talking about for that example of our global equity product where we're able to combine managers, um, that is also the work of my team. And, and in some ways, you could say we're acting as that portfolio manager um, oversight to combine them of looking at what's the right proportions. How are they working together as complements? Those sort of analytics. All of those functions are very intensive. Um, to do in a process. I mean, I, I know we do it, so it's certainly a lot to do for an advisor who has many other things on their mind. So to be able to get that package from us and, and feel confidence and be able to engage with us and we can kind of hand what you need to know about those things um, and then let the managers also then focus on on what they do best. So I, I think there is that value in in us being able to provide that that package as appropriate that combines a lot of Vanguard's best thinking with that great talent of our external sub-advisors and making it easy for uh, for investment advisors to choose our funds. Right. I mean, you know, and if an advisor, either of you can answer this question, advisor comes to you and say, well, I can, uh, I've got so many other choices. I can pick the funds myself. I can go to a wealth manager and get a, uh, a package service from then. I could go and choose a fund of funds. There's lots of those out there. I mean, wh- what would you say is the sort of, you know, the, the secret source or the not so secret source that, that Vanguard can, can bring to this that they should choose what you have to offer rather than those alternative routes. Yeah, I'm going I'm to. I'll start and then see, see whether Josh has got anything to add. I mean, so Vanguard's got four investment principles, and they're they're really relevant to this answer. And their goals, you know, know why you're investing and what you're investing for. Balance, make sure you have got a well diversified portfolio. You know, costs keep them obviously low. That goes without saying. And then then be disciplined. And I think we bring strengths across all of those. So. You're starting with the goals. You know, when we create our funds, so let's pick a different fund, right? Our, our active emerging markets equity fund. 
you know, we know that, how, you know, it's aimed for advisors to use as a one-stop shop, you know, for their active um, emerging market equity exposure. So we build it with that in mind, you know, whereas a lot of, you know, emerging market funds are actually fairly niche. You know, they might be looking at one factor, you know, within emerging market equity. They might be a you know, growth-orientated emerging market equity fund, and that can be tough for advisors to, you know, to, to do the blending. You know, you're always going to have, even if you choose two funds that are complementary to each other, you know, one growth-orientated, one value-orientated, one's always going to be struggling, um, you know, with the way that um, the market's, you know, split down those lines. And so being able to deliver a one-stop shop, you know, where we have three underlying managers that are very distinct, you know, but very complementary to each other in the way that they work, means that, you know, an advisor can just, you know, stick to, you know, where the true value is. And Vanguard is a huge believer in the value of advisors and the, the you know, the, the alpha that they deliver in terms of the, you know, the relationship they have with their clients. And they can just focus really hard on that relationship rather than worrying about, you know, what's going to perform next year, you know, in 2023. Is it going to be, is it going to be China tech or is it, going to be, you know, more value focused type investments, you know, that's taken care of by Josh and his team, who, you know, can check the balance on a daily basis, because they, unlike a fund of funds where you've got to wait for quarterly holdings reports, and then fund might move in different directions, you know, Josh and his team can see where that fund is today, across all of the holdings, across any trades that have happened, they can be doing their oversight job, you know, checking that, you know, when a manager buys something, it's in line with what we um, would expect. Still running? Good. You're almost there. Only 10 more minutes to go. And then the cost piece, you know, is critical. Uh, you, know, you know, you'd expect Vanguard to, to talk about talk about low cost. You know, the, the short answer is, you know, like high cost active, you know, the, the mathematical chances of it working are minimal. You know, it's very, very hard doing active on a, you know, even on a low cost basis. Um, but, you know, Vanguard has a structured advantage there with the, the low fee and, and that improves the order's success. And, you know, when you look at our composite track record, um, you know, you look at across all of our active funds globally, last 10 years, 94% of them have outperformed their peer group average. And, you know, I'll be straight and say a lot of that is what Josh and his team do, but some of that is the cost advantage as well. Right. But, but critically, even when you apply industry level cost to Vanguard's active, you know, that, you know, Josh's team is still doing a great job. And that's obviously something that, that we check. Then the last one is, is discipline, you know, which is one of the hardest things to do in active management. You know, you know, the, the year we've had this year in, in 2022, you know, is, is another very, very strong example of, you know, how difficult it is to be disciplined, particularly if you don't have the balance that we we're talking about before. Um, mm. So it's, they're, they're the, the kind of the the roles we play but you know we're not saying that you know we're the only active manager that's got good funds we're, you know but what we're saying is you know make sure you run our funds you know th- you know through the analysis tool because what you'll find is actually you know they do deliver great results you know we sometimes talk about you know the the, the Aesop's fable of the tortoise and the hare you know we're more likely to be the tortoise you know that is delivering consistent you know, good results, um, rather than smashing the lights out, but then, you know, the next year, the next quarter, you know, the, the, you know, funds disappoint, you know, which is the hair. So, so Josh, lots of compliments for you, for you there from Andy in London. I can see you on the screen, the listeners can't, but you're not blushing, so well done. But 
Just in terms of, 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 of what Andy was saying about the way you go about your work, did, did this year prove harder than ever? Did some of your favourites not do so well as you might have expected? I mean, it's been a pretty grim year, whether you've been an active or a passive investor beyond maybe one or two very esoteric asset classes. Has this year been harder work for you? Absolutely, it has. When you see an increase in in that volatility um, and just just how drastic swings and, and in short time frames, all of the, the geopolitical happenings and needs for adjustment, uh, it, it does create more need for us to understand you know, what is the signal and what is the noise here? Because there's a lot more a more noise. And managers that are sticking to their knitting, I think um, that gives us more confidence in that case. But when you see these uh, tremendous moves and perhaps some underperformance even more severe than you might expect, you have to drill into that. And, and that's the role of our team. And, and we have to make the decision about, you know, where did you go wrong on something like that? Or is this something that's going to, to persist? And I think that's the the other component of, of risk management and understanding about how they're looking at this and and would something be expected given the magnitude of this sort of market environment versus a where did you get caught out and, and what are the processes in place to be able to fix something like that. Um, that said, we, we have seen some managers hold up better than others. So it, it's been a, a good news story in other areas, but it's still hard to feel good news as in, oh, you didn't lose quite as much <laughs> as, as somebody else. Um, but I think, you know, what we do feel good about is the overall composition and, you know, where we feel like managers are positioned to move going forward and then the quality of the teams. And, and again, that, that idea of being long-term, sticking to your knitting, we have this cost advantage that we can rely on to, and it doesn't require managers to take undue risks and, and allows us to, to think about, um, you know, riding it through the storm and, and performing the best for, for our shareholders. Cool. Uh, so Andy, back to you and, uh, you know, you've got this big marketing campaign, you've got bright colours, young people in there. Uh, again, you can't see this on the podcast, but I'm sure you'll see the, the posters all over London town. It's quite a break for you. What, what, what happens next in terms of expanding the active side at Vanguard? It's, it's going to be much more the same, really. You know, we, we launched, you know, Active in the UK back in 2016, you know, the, the Funds are, you know, the same, you know, the, the, the fee levels are the same. Um, but what we want to do is really, you know, the, the way you started, you know, with the Vanguard's best kept secret. You know, I think the, the idea behind the campaign is that that joke becomes null and void. You know, we'd, you know, we're, as you say, we're extremely well known for indexing and we should be. You know, we're, we're the people that brought it to the masses and our quality within indexing is is incredible. You know, but we'd love to be known also for for having incredibly high quality, high value active funds as well. So, I'd love if if we were you know doing something in a year or two, and you know listeners didn't understand your joke about the best kept secret <laughs> um, when it comes to Vanguard's active. And and uh, what are the plans? Maybe not just in the UK, but you know in your homeland of the US. I mean, you know, let's crystal gaze forward five or ten years. Do you think Vanguard will be known more for its active side than its passive side or is, it, is passive always going to be the, the bedrock on which Vanguard is built? I think the the bedrock that Vanguard's built on is, you know, an, an incredible investor focus. You know, you know, we're owned by investors. So, you know, all businesses, ultimately, you know, that's their core focus is their owners. We're owned by investors, you know, and we're going to do our best to, to treat them fairly, you know, and take a stand for them. And, and you know, we're going to do that through lots of different ways, through offering you know you know solutions within the active space and offering 
you know, solutions within the index space. So that will continue. That's been the story since 1975, and I'm sure it'll be the, the story in 2025 as well. Fine. Uh, Josh, final word from you. How do you see your job going over the next five years? Well, I think it only grows with, with more and more work and responsibility of different areas. I, you know, Everyone's always trying to, to figure out what's the next big thing or is something else just a, just a fad in there. So there's no shortage of, of more meetings, more work. And, and uh, I think, you know, it, as Andy expressed earlier, it's, just, it's incredibly difficult for active managers, but it, it can be done. And, and we think we've got a knack for sign, finding some of the best ones out there. Um, and, and we're you know dedicated to turning over every stone. Um, I, I will say some of the areas where we've experienced more growth recently, and I'm I'm proud to um, you know, be one of the leads on on this team is within our ESG and sustainable investing search. Uh, we launched a couple of products within in the UK, and I'm pleased that we've actually got a couple more this year in the in the US as well. So I, I've been hard at work on on making sure that we're really sharpening our pencil on all of those new fronts and. And building out some of the expertise within our team as well too. So, um, I'd love to see you know in general just more products for us um, on the active side. But you know we've got a rigorous process for ensuring that it has to really have high investment merit. We're finding the best managers out there, and it aligns with what our investors want, and and that holds true in any location that we're in. Great. We're going to call it a halt there, just in case our listeners actually are running, and you know stop now because uh, you've you've done your run, and we don't want you to exhaust yourself too much. So, uh, Andy, sorry in London and Josh Wardruff in Philadelphia. Thank you so much for joining us both in the studio here. Thank you. Thank you.